Good morning. Um, my name is Kristen Coulter, and my husband Paul is here, and we've been married 22 years, and I'm married to my best friend and soulmate, and we have a son named Joel. He's 13, and just a delight. And um, before we start our time this morning, I just want to pray. Um, Lord, we just come to you today, and we just say, God, we need you. We are desperate for you today. And God, I just pray that you would pour out your spirit in this place. God, I pray that you would open our eyes and our ears and help us to hear what you want us to hear. We love you, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Isn't Jesus wonderful? I was just enjoying the worship so much. It was just, it's just so life-giving. He's so, it's just pleasurable to worship him. Um, I love him. And um, today, um, I'm going to be continuing on in the current sermon series called More in Everyday Life. And I'm going to be talking about my favorite subject, and that is intimacy with God. And, you know, I have just found that knowing him, that there is nothing better. There's nothing better than knowing him. And, and just loving him is life. And... Um, and so when I started thinking about this, I was thinking that any desire that I even have or any desire that you even have to even seek God or to love him, it comes from him. It is his idea. He loved us first. And he is on an intimate, passionate pursuit for all of us. It started in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, and it is still going on now. He is passionately pursuing us. He has been pursuing us before we were born. And I just think about just some of the scriptures that come to my mind, like Psalm 51 that says, the mighty one, God the Lord, he calls, he speaks, he summons to the whole earth from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets. In 2 Chronicles 16.9, it says, The eyes of the Lord, they range to and fro the earth. He's searching, looking for those to strengthen, whose hearts are completely committed and loyal and devoted to him. And Psalm 139 is just so beautiful and just how God is so intimately involved in every detail of our lives. That he knows when we sit down and when we stand up and when we leave the house and come back. He knows our thoughts from afar. He knows the very words we're going to speak. And it says that he knitted us together in our mother's wombs. And that every day was ordained for us and written in his book before one became to be. So in Acts, I love this, in Acts um, chapter 17 verse 26 through 27 says that basically that even the generation that we live in where you know the cities we live in and even down to the people that we know are designed by God so that we would seek him and search after him and perhaps find him though he's not far from each of us because he is just right here and so when I think of this this God that is so passionately in love with us and passionately involved from knitting us together in our mother's wombs. You know, how important is it that we respond to him? And I just want to look at what Jesus had to say about it in Mark chapter 12. 
Um, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which one is the most important? And the words most important, when you go back to the original language in the Greek, that word is protos. And protos is where we get our English word priority or chief priority. And so what the this man was asking Jesus as he was saying, Jesus, of all the commandments, which one is protos? In other words, what is the priority of all life? And Jesus answers this and says, the most important one, what is protos, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Well, you know, you might have come in here today saying, what is God really looking for? What does he want? And have you considered the first and most important goal of all life? To know and to fall in love with the God that created the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in it, the one that created you in your mother's womb, the one who has all your days written in his book. And so basically it comes down to answering this question, is he the love of your life? Is he the love of your life? And the main thing that I'm trying to say today is that God is inviting us to more intimacy with him in our everyday lives by spending time daily with him. And I just want to tell you a little bit of my journey. Um, when I was in third grade, around nine years old, um, I got saved. And, you know, I didn't want to go to hell. I mean, that was the, the driving force there. That's a good goal. Nobody wants to go to hell. And so I, you know, that was great. And then later on, like in my junior high years, kind of in the high school area, I was at a church camp, and I remember the speaker saying, you know, you're saved, you're not going to hell, but you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. He wants complete surrender to him. And so I remember saying, yes, Lord, I want to do that. I want to surrender my life to you. I want you to come and rule and reign. And so I went a little bit longer in my journey, and probably like in the college years, I heard Louis Giglio speak, and he was just talking about, you know, pursuing God and going after him and loving him with all that we have. And I remember that just, that was a new awakening for me, and I wanted to do that. And I said, yes, God, I want to do that. I want to know you. I felt like he was inviting me you know, saying, I've saved you, you're not going to hell. You know, you've surrendered your life, and now I want you to spend your life knowing me. Know my ways. Know what I love. Know what I hate. Know what I'm all about. Spend your life on this. And I was like, yes, I want to do that. But here's the problem. I had a lot of desire, <laughs> but I hadn't acquired discipline in my life. And so I would seek God when it was convenient for me. I, you know, if I was feeling his presence, you know, if it was 
good, you know, going for me, then I would keep doing it. But if it was things were getting busy, I had some other things to do, then I would, you know, those things, I wouldn't do it. And I knew it wasn't right, but I just, I just didn't have the acquired discipline. And I began to uh, ask God for help. Um, Paul and I, we were married in, in our 20s, and we lived down in Waco and went to Antioch. And Jimmy Seibert said something one Sunday that changed everything for me. And I don't know the exact words that he said, but something along the lines of this. He said, I spend time with Jesus every day, no matter what, because I have to have him. I love him. And I remember sitting in my seat, and I was just pierced to the core. And I said, God, I want to be one of those people. Make me like that. I have desire, but I'm just not, I have no follow-through. Help me. I want to do that. And he helped me out because he loves to answer that prayer because it is his goal because he's made our hearts for him that he wants to answer this. And so he helped me out with Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And, and it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. I didn't have trouble with the existence of God. I believed he existed. I felt his presence. But I had a horrible track record with that diligent, that earnest pursuit. And I saw that he rewards us, though, for doing this. And it just, I was like, okay, Lord, I need to, I need to put some effort into this relationship. I'm going to have to put some effort into this. And just to be clear, salvation in Jesus is a free gift. We cannot earn that. It is freely given. You know, he was crucified on a cross. They nailed him to a piece of wood. He took on our sins. He was the innocent one that became the guilty one so that we might become the righteousness of God. But what I'm talking about today is, is not that we're saved, but... It's this diligent, this knowing God, this John 15 abiding. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. And apart from him, we have no good thing. And so if you look up the word earnest just in your regular dictionary, it just means a serious, sincere, you know, you're, it's real. You mean it. The opposite of earnest would be flippant. Like, well, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. No big deal. The word diligent is characterized by steady, consistent, energetic effort. And I was like, God, I need your help. He rewards us. You know, um, I found this to be true, that when I got serious to seek him, got serious to do this thing, I realized that this was going to be a fight to the death. That this is going to be a, you know, cultivating intimacy with God is going to be a hand-to-hand -hand combat all the days of our lives. Because there is a price to be paid for knowing God well in this broken and fallen world. And if God is wanting us to have this intimate fellowship with him, then the devil doesn't, that's not his goal. And he's going to be coming at us with busyness and everything else. 
And so what do we do? How do we just practically do this? And here's a practical thing that I've found. You have to have a plan. And, and let's look at one of Jesus' plans in Mark 135. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary, solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. And so Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect one, put some effort into his relationship. Praying to his Father was so important that he made the time. He got up. He Maybe there was a bunch of people in the house. He had to get up before they did and step over people. I don't know, but he had to get away. And it just sounds like he might have been lingering a little bit because it says that Simon and and his companions, they came and said, everyone's looking for you. And you know, have you ever been just lingering in the presence of God and then everybody's looking for you and you don't want it to end? And But I look at Jesus and I look at how he didn't get frustrated. He didn't get upset with them. He was kind. And that taught me that, you know, that God's telling me, you know, if you feel that feeling like it's not long enough, you want more. That is his gift. That means that intimacy is being cultivated. It means, you know, we're longing for more. It's giving us a foretaste of what's to come. I've noticed that, that this relationship with God, it has to be nurtured. It has to be cultivated. And sometimes I notice, you know, and, and I, Paul and I have committed to seeking God daily. And we just put a stake in the ground that says, we're going to do this no matter what. And we watch each other's back. And here's a practical example of what we do. Um, say we're going out of town. Getting out of routine is horrible for me. I get out of routine and I, I just could lose it. I mean, and so we have a plan where as soon as we, let's say we're going to a hotel and we check in and we put our bags in the room, and then the first thing we do is we go around the hotel and go around the grounds, and we start looking for a place. Where are we going to have our quiet time? Where are we going to be spending time with God while we're out of town? And we talk to each other, and we say, when are you going to go? When am I going to go? You know, if you have kids, you've got to work that out. And so anyway, we, we just do this together, and it's accountability. And and we just we really need Him. We love being with with God. But I've noticed that even though I'm doing that, I'm, just, I'm praying, I'm in the Word, there are times when I feel like my, I'm just, because of stuff, there's always just a fight going on to maintain this intimacy. And so sometimes I just feel like I'm getting off a little bit, and I feel like, I love that Revelation 2, where Jesus is addressing the church at Ephesus and he says, you know, you're doing all this good stuff and you're persevering and good deeds, but you have forsaken your first love. First love, this is that protos. It's the same word. It's that priority. It's that love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I feel sometimes that that happens and I have to recalibrate and get back because it is just life. 
And I love how Jesus just, he tells us what to do. You remember the height that you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. And I love the word repent because I know that when I repent, things are going to fall off of my life and times of refreshing will come in the presence of God. When I was, um, one other thing that just talking about having a plan, you know, praying, we're talking to God. It's just pouring our hearts out to Him, living daily life with Him. Everything that I do, God and I talk about. We're talking about it. And I love that. And I remember in the early days, I could just pray a long time, and I just loved that. But there was something else that He wanted me to do as well. One time I, I, I had a dream that I was riding on this bus and I was sitting by the window and I was looking out the window and I was just watching people walk by and just, you know, the things you would see if you were sitting on a bus. And all of a sudden the bus came to a complete stop and the bus driver got out of his seat and came around the corner and looked straight at me and said, read my word. And I woke up immediately, <laughs> and I said, I need to read the Bible. I think God wants me to read the Bible. And so I remember saying, God, you know, I need help with that because I, you know, I've read it some, and I just, I need help. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. And, and he loves to answer that prayer. And as I prayed for that, he gave me an insatiable hunger and thirst for his word. And I got to the point where I just, I didn't want to put it down. I wanted to read it, and I wanted to read all of it. You know, Genesis to Revelation, I made up my own Bible plan so I could be in every section of the Bible all at once so I could get this just as much as I could. And I love his word, and I found that there's just, you know, he wanted me to read the word because I had to know him this way. He, he There's just things that we can't know. We can't know God fully without reading his word. Because there are things in there that we can see how he deals with people and in his ways. And when I'm praying and saying, God, I love your ways, show me your ways. And I love it. I love watching, like in the Old Testament, I like reading about all these people and how God interacted with them and what he likes and what he doesn't. And, and, and it's just, I just, I'm like, God, who are you? I love who you are. And I've gotten to where I just love his word and I want to align my life by it. I want to, whatever he wants, I want to do it. Because there's life, it's life in him. So what are some hindrances that keep us from this intimate walk with God? I just have three things down here. There's, there are definitely more, but just busyness. We talked about earlier that, you know, the devil doesn't want us to have an intimate walk with God because we're going to hear his voice and complete the Great Commission and all that. And so he doesn't want that. And so busyness starts coming up, and it just it's as practical as getting out your calendar and saying, you know, we can't do everything that everybody's doing. We're going to have to, what things are going to draw me closer to him and and into the kingdom of God type mentality. And so busyness is one of those things to look at. Um, another one is sin. 
And unrepentant, unconfessed sin will block your intimacy with God. And I just want to just encourage, just let it go. It's not worth it. And Jesus is so satisfying, and he will he's so kind and good, and he'll forgive. And I've noticed that, that he's just so gentle and, and caring. But I've also noticed that he's not a nicey-nice with this. He is very committed to my sanctification. And so he's not going to let me stay in a pig pen. Praise God. <laughs> so... The third thing is, is just worthless things. You know, in Psalm 119, it talks about turn my eyes from worthless things. And in light of eternity, there are so many worthless things that are just distractions and just, you know, keeping us from being fully engaged. And, and you know, they may not, it may even be some stuff that's not even sin in and of itself, maybe it's neutral, but when you think about, you know, we're not here that long, we have 70 plus years on the earth, it's going to be over before you know it, and how are we going to live our lives, I mean, thinking about eternity, you know, because, you know, all flesh is grass, the word of the Lord is forever. I want to talk about just some rewards of intimacy. We, you know, in the verse, the Hebrews eleven six, it said he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. And there are many rewards, and there's so many. You know, we get a measure of those rewards in this life. We will be fully rewarded in the age to come. And there are so many, but I, I put down three that are just really fresh to me right now, and one of those rewards is just the complete satisfaction in God, the enjoyment of Him, that feeling where you know the one that made you, looks at you, tells you who you are, that He loves you, and nothing can touch that, because it's a bottomless pit that keeps seeking approval and acceptance and significance and worth and value from another person. It just, another person can just do so much. They can't fill that need that only God can do because our hearts were designed for Him. And the cool thing is, is that once you get that satisfaction in Him, in identity, then we are set up to receive encouragements from others then we can receive the prophetic words. We can receive encouragements because it's not like we're just sucking everybody dry. But we can receive. The other thing that really is fresh to me right now that's a reward is that we get to partake in the divine nature of God. And one thing that has always just captivated me uh, is the attribute of God's holiness. And I love thinking and meditating on the holiness of God. And there's just this fear of the Lord that comes over me. It's this pure, and worship just comes out. And I love His holiness. And, and I think, wow, here's this holy God who is letting us 
human beings partake in this divine nature. He says, be holy for I am holy. Because he puts such great worth and value on us. Do you, do you feel that weight, that sense of he values and we are worth so much to him that he wants us to be holy like he is? And the great thing is, is he empowers us. It's not our own strength. It is he empowers us to walk a holy life because it's his grace, the grace of God to do the power of God, the power of God to do the grace, the work of God. And lastly, discover the unsearchable. In Jeremiah 33, 3, it says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and mighty and unsearchable things that you do not know. I don't know if you've thought about that word, unsearchable. I've pondered that word, unsearchable, unsearchable. What does that mean? And I looked it up, and it means exactly what it says. It's not capable of being searched out. It's not capable of being explored. In other words, this kind of stuff that he wants to talk to us about is not of this world. It is not of this realm. We can't... Put this in a, you know, Google this information. This is knowledge from the divine. Isn't, isn't that incredible? It just makes me want to worship him. He's so good. 